Good morning, church. It's good to see you and be with you uh, today as we continue our journey through the gospel of, uh, of Luke. And we come now to, to uh, one of the most well-known and well-loved, I think, passages in scripture. Uh, and and for, for good reason. Uh, probably 15 years ago when I uh, really, I think, first understood this passage through reading uh, Tim Keller's book, Prodigal God, through, through teaching, uh, I, I, this, this really uh, opened up some new vistas of the gospel for me. It made me understand God's grace in a way that I hadn't before. And so I hope that, uh, it, that God will, will do that for all of us th- this morning. Uh, th- this parable is, is typically called the parable of the prodigal son, historically. Uh, but I think that's a little bit of a, of a misnomer. Uh, if, if you notice, even at the very beginning, it says a man had two sons. And so I think this is actually a story about two sons. And these two sons represent, I think for us, two ways to, to run from the father. Or two ways to run from the father. If you look uh, and you remember from last week, we, we need to remember who, who's, who's Jesus talking to? Who's this, who's this parable uh, you know, given to? Um, last week, Pastor Kevin preached on the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. Uh, and, and this is the same audience. This is the, kind of the third. Uh, this is a trilogy of stories that are all making similar points and to the same people. And in, in Luke 15, verse one, it says, all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. So you have first the, this group, there's the tax collectors. Uh, tax collectors were, uh, were they were hated. Uh, the Jews hated tax collectors. Um, tax collectors were Jewish people who had uh, purchased the right from Rome to, to collect taxes of their own people to give to Rome, to the army that was oppressing them. So they were, they were traitors. They were, they were traitors to their own nation. Uh, and, and, and so they were hated, despised people. And it also says the tax collectors and sinners. These were notorious sinners. These would have been like the prostitutes, right? People who everyone knows, yes, you're a sinner. Uh, you're not following and, and following the, the law of the Lord. Um, and all these people are coming to, to listen to him. So these people are in the, in, the, in the crowd. But the second group is the Pharisees and the scribes. Right? There's the Pharisees and the scribes. These are the religious elite. These are the people who loved God's word. These are people who, who were, were moral and cared about doing the right thing. Uh, and, and they're coming as well. And they're saying, they're complaining this man, Jesus, welcomes sinners and eats with them. This is who, who Jesus is talking to. Um, as we walk through this passage, we're gonna just follow the, the story. We're gonna talk about the younger son first, uh, and then we'll talk about the older son uh, second. Let's, let's take a moment and pray, and, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump into the, the text. Would you take a moment just in your seat to, uh, to go to the Lord, and would you... Uh, would you pray and just ask him to open your heart to whatever he wants to say this morning from his word? Would you pray also for me uh, that I would be faithful to the Bible and that I would be helpful to you? Father, we come to you and, and we need you. We need your help. You know that we are weak. You know that we have so many distractions, that we have so many barriers in our heart. Um, each, each day, each moment to, to hearing from you, to truly being able to connect with you, uh, truly being open to whatever you would say. So would you break those barriers down? Would you take those away? And would we be able to hear from you today? 
Would you reveal to us and would you show us your heart for us, what you're calling us to? And would we, would we hear and would we understand and would we believe? We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. First, uh, we're gonna talk about the younger son, the younger son. There were two sons, uh, and, and we're, gonna, we're gonna talk about first his defection, his defection. Verse 11, he also said a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had, traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. Um, the younger son here uh, d- does uh, really the, the most disgraceful and shameful thing uh, that I think a son can do. Um, he comes to his, his dad and he says, uh, dad, I, I want whatever you're gonna give me in your will, whatever you're gonna give me when you die, I wanna take that now, can I have it? Right, he essentially he's saying, I, I wish you were dead, uh, but since you're not, could I just have what, what you're gonna give me? Um, traditionally, uh, uh, the younger son, if there's two brothers, the younger son would have gotten about a third of the inheritance. Uh, the father has every right to say, no, you, you can't have it, uh, but he doesn't. He says, okay, uh, and he, he divides the assets between the sons. And then, not many days later, the younger son, he cashes out, right? He cashes out his inheritance. He makes it liquid where he can take it with him. And he goes, it says, to a distant country. Now, in, in any society, this would be a, a shameful act. This would have been a slap in the face. But, but especially in, in, a, in a, a patriarchal society, right? An, an ancient society like this, where, where community is everything, where family is everything. Uh, there, there's, this is the greatest shame that a son can do is say, I want nothing to do with you. I'm off on my own. See you later. Uh, I, I'm out. He runs. Next, we'll see his, his demise, the younger son's demise, verse 14. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. The son goes and he squanders, it says, all of his money, all of his estate and reckless living, uh, the best food, the best drink, the best experiences, the best company, anything that money can buy, he had it for a time until the money ran out. And, and that was his fault, obviously. Uh, but, but right after that, and this is often how it works, and it's like a one-two punch. Uh, after that, they, after he'd spent everything, a severe famine struck the country. So not only now did he have nothing, now no one had anything, right? Everyone's in trouble. Everyone's uh, in, in need and in want. And so uh, this son is, is desperate, right? He's hungry. Um, and so he takes the only job he can find, uh, which is working for a, a Gentile pig farmer, which for a Jewish man would have been the most shameful uh, job you can imagine, right? He's, I don't, I don't know, there's a, there's a comparison. He's, he's cleaning the porta-potties. You know, I, don't, I don't know what he's doing, uh, but it, it's, this, is, this is bad. And it says he even, not only was he feeding the pigs, but he longed to eat the, the, his fill from the pods of the pigs. His mouth is watering as he's pouring the pig food in. You know, he's, he's, he, he can't sink any lower than he has sunk here. I think sometimes, and some of us just have to do this. You just have to find out for yourself what the pigsty feels like. You run from God, right? And maybe you found yourself in this at some point in your life. You've, you've been in the gutter, right? You feel like, I can't, I can't go any lower than this. 
This is where the, the younger son finds himself. But then now we begin to see, and the story shifts, right? We begin to see his repentance. His repentance in verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. It says that he comes to his senses. Right? I, know, I know many of us, many of you are praying for, for people you love who walked away from the Lord. And you're praying this verse. This is a great verse to pray. Lord, would they come to their senses? Would they wake up? Please wake them up. And he does. He comes to his senses. And he just looks and he goes... <sighs> I'm wanting to eat the pig food and my, my father's hired work, like the seasonal workers, not even the servants in the household, the seasonal workers who he just hires when he needs them. They, they eat better than I'm eating. What am I doing? What am I doing with my life? And so he says, I'll, I'll get up. I'll go to my father and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. He, he's, he, he's, he has a heart of repentance, right? And this is true repentance. So how do you know? Because he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven, right? He recognizes my, my main sin is against God. And it's all of us, right? Every, every one of our main sin, even though you, sin, you do sin against people, each of those sins is ultimately against God, the one who made you, the one who you're accountable to. And he says, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned before you. He knows he sinned. He admits it freely. He takes responsibility. And he says, then, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He said, I've, I know I've given up every right I had. I know I've taken all of your property and wasted it. I know I've shamed you publicly. I know I've walked away. I know I've put you in a bad spot and the family in a bad spot. And I'm not worthy. You, you shouldn't take me back in. I'm not worthy of it. And he's right. He's right. He's not worthy to be brought back in. But he says, I'm just going to throw myself on my father's mercy. I'm going to say, just, would you just hire me? Could I just work whenever you need it? Could I just work seasonally for you? And, and then we, we get to see the, the response. And, we get, and here we get to see um, the father's grace. The father's grace to the unrighteous. In verse 20, so he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck, kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Kids and, and teens, I don't know if you've ever uh, had the experience of, of uh, you know, breaking something or doing something you know you shouldn't and you know it's going to be found out. And so you got you to gotta tell your parents, you know, you got to tell them before they find out from someone else because it's going to go worse for you. Uh, and, and, and so what do you do? You, you rehearse in your mind what you're going to say, you know, you go, all right, dad, uh, no one was hurt. That's the important thing, right? 
We can yeah, praise the Lord for that. Uh, and here's what happened. Uh, the, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that, right? You, re- you re- rehearse what you're gonna say, this, this speech. And don't you think from the, from the far country, from the distant country, when this son is coming back, right? Barefoot, ragged, nothing, hungry. Don't you think he's, he's over and over in his mind saying his speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hearts. Like he's saying this over and over. Here's what I'm gonna say. Here's what I'm gonna say. Here's what I'm gonna say. And it says, while, while he's a long way off, right, while he's still a long way off, the father saw him. How could the father see him while he was a long way off? He must have been looking for him. And you begin to see here, I think, the heart of the father. How many hours did this father spend on the porch just looking out, just looking at the horizon, going, dreaming about the time when his son might come back? How many hours during the day when he, was, when he had an off period, when he was in the morning, in the evening, did, did he sit there and did he, did he think, man, when is my son, what if my son came back? When is he gonna come? He's looking for him and he sees him and, and it says his father saw him and, and it says was filled with compassion. The father represents God in this story if you, if you haven't got onto that. And what, what, what do you think fills God's heart when he sees sinners coming home? This father could have felt anger and rage, right? He could have brought up all of the shame and all of the, all of the uh, you know, trouble and, and, and that this son had caused him, all of the loss of his, of his income and money and all this stuff, this, the foolishness, the foolish decisions this son had made, right? It could have, it could have enraged him. He could have been filled with skepticism, Okay, what's he gonna say? But that's not what he was filled with. It says he was filled with compassion. He saw his son and he loved him. He saw him in rags, no shoes, skinny, emaciated, and he had compassion. And he ran, it says, he ran. And see here the welcome of God to the unrighteous. He runs. The, the, the patriarch of the family would not run. This was a very childish thing to do. Right? He, he would have been wearing long robes. He would have had to gird up his loins, is how the Bible says. Like fold up his robes and tuck it into his belt so that his, he could run, that his, his feet could be free. And, but he does. He doesn't care. He runs. And he hugs, right? He ran. He threw his arms around his neck. This is before the son has said anything. Throws his arms around his neck. Kisses him. And imagine that son who's been practicing his speech, how it must have thrown him off. But, but he does get it out. He, start, he starts his, his speech. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But he gets cut off. The father <laughs> told the servants, quick, bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. What is this? This is welcome. This is restoration. He's restoring him. Bring out the best robe. Bring out, this is the family robe, the, the ring with the, with the family crest. The, uh, servants, were, you know, slaves would not wear shoes, but sons would have sandals. Put sandals on his feet. He's restoring him to, to the family. Notice also the extravagance here, right? He's not like, hey, bring, you know, don't we have a spare robe somewhere? 
He's like, no, bring out the best robe. The one, the one that, that I always wear on the, the special occasion. Bring that one, my ring, my shoes. Like, like let's, put it, get, let's do it all. Then bring out the fattened calf and slaughter it. This would have been, uh, the, the, they would have been saving this for a feast, probably for the Day of Atonement. Now they're, they're getting a calf ready for this feast. This, they, in the culture, they wouldn't have eaten meat a lot. This would have been like the biggest celebration. And let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Notice the joy and the celebration of the father. Right? And this is the father's heart towards sinners, toward the unrighteous who repent. But this is the father's heart. He's created you. Right? As, as, as Acts 17 says, you are his offspring. He made you for a reason, for a purpose, to love him and know him, to be in relationship with him. And haven't we all run? Haven't we all gone our own way? And when we come back, when we turn, when we come to our senses and we come to him, what does the father do? I'll put you on probation to see if you're really serious. No. (laughs) He says, you're home. Yes, rejoice, peace, come on. He welcomes us home. And if you're running today, I mean, just, this is just true for you. The father's on the porch. He's on the porch. He's looking. He's waiting. He wants you to come. He wants to see you come over that horizon. There's joy in heaven. That's the point of these, all these stories, isn't it? The parable of the lost sheep ends. I tell you, in the same way, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. The parable of the lost coin ends. I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. We see this father who rejoices at his son's home. There's joy in heaven over a sinner who repents. There's a, there's a party. And this is ever the heart of God. Toward sinners. Now we turn to the older son. The older son, the second son in, in the story. I mean, and we see first the, the older son's defection. This is in verse 25. Now his older son was in the field. As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. Your brother's here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. The older brother, when, when this, the, younger, uh, the younger son comes, right, the older son is in the field. He's, he's, he's working, he's doing his duty. As he comes near the house, the day is done, he, he hears uh, music and dancing. If you can hear the dancing, you know that's a good party. And so he, he summons one and says, hey, what, what's happening? Your brother's back. Your dad killed the fattened calf. We're having a celebration. And immediately, the, the older son becomes angry and doesn't want to go in. Right, and this, this was a defection because uh, he would have been expected as the oldest son to, to go into the party, to, to help host the party. He would have been the second host underneath the father. So for him to stay out, for him to not go in the party, it's a, it's a public shame, shaming. 
the public rejection of the father. Second, uh, we see his, his demise. We see his demise in starting in verse 28. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, look, I've been slaving many years for you and I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you've never gave me a goat so that I could, I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. I know, see here, and, 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 and I think we should feel the weight of this complaint of the older son. Right? He, he says, he says or he's not respectful, look, right? Look, he's angry. I've been slaving many years for you. You hear that? Obedience to the father for this, for this older son, it feels like slavery. I've been slaving. I've never disobeyed your orders. He says, I stayed. I've done my duty. I've always been here. And he says, yet yeah, you never gave me a goat so I could go celebrate with my friends. He's like, you're taking him to Fogo? You've never even taken me to Chili's. <laughs> really? He's saying, what? Like, why? It's not fair. Right? When this son of yours, right, not my brother, when this son of yours came, right, who has devoured your asses with prostitutes, right? And maybe he's, he's making this sound as, worse, as bad as possible, exaggeration, maybe. You slaughtered the fattened calf for him. He said, is this fair? Is this fair, father? I've been here all this time. I've never had a party. He takes all your money, leaves, shames the family, leaves us in a bad spot, and then he comes back and you just give him a big celebration? He wants, he thinks it's unjust. He wants what he feels like he's owed. And in the response of the father, I think we begin to see his call to repentance, right? His call to repentance, the older son's call to repentance and the father's grace for the self-righteous. Because he says in verse 31, son, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I notice the father's grace here. He comes out, first, first of all, he comes out and pleads with him. He hears his son is not coming in the party and he doesn't just go, fine, let him stew. No, he's, he goes out. Son, come in. Well, your brother's back. Come see him. Right, and then he gets this verbal assault from his older son, right? This attack. And, but then notice the tenderness that he responds with. He doesn't, he doesn't respond with anger. He doesn't respond back. He says, son, it's a tender word, my child. And he, and he assures him of his love. He says, you're always with me. I'm so glad you've stayed. I love you. I, I, you're always with me. And he says, everything I have is yours. It's like the, the rest of the inheritance, it all belongs to you. You, it's, you can have a goat, it's your goat. Like the, don't, it's not about that. 
He assures him of his love. But he says, but we had to celebrate and rejoice. Right? He appeals to him. This is right. This is necessary. Because this brother of yours was lost. He's found, he was dead. Now he's alive. And he's appealing to him to come into the party, to rejoice, to come into joy. The older son is, is sitting and stewing in bitterness. And the father's like, just, no, you don't need to do that. Come in, come in. I, I think the two brothers represent two ways to run from God, two ways to run from the father. I think we're both. <laughs> maybe different times in our lives, maybe we lean one way or the other. Sometimes we're this, sometimes we're that. Maybe we're a weird mix of the two. But I think you can run from God into unrighteousness. Right? The, younger, the younger son does this. What does he want? He wants, he wants stuff. He wants his father's stuff. And so he asks for it. And he runs away. But, but you can also run into self-righteousness. This is the older son. What is the older son? He wants, God's, he wants the father's stuff as well. But his approach is to, to work really hard so that he earns it. Right? And you see that in, in, his, in, his, in his response to his, his brother. Right? I've been slaving for you, right? but, but you never gave me a goat. Like, I feel like I've earned a goat at least. You've never given it. You've never given me what I deserve. I feel like he's getting what I deserve. He's saying, I, I've earned this by, my, by working for you diligently. But, but it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that both are willing to reject the father. At the son at the beginning, the younger son at the beginning, the older son. At the end, when he says, I'm not gonna go in, fine, I'm done. He's willing to cut off relationship with his father if he can't get what he feels he deserves. Now, which of these ways is more dangerous? I think, by the way, you can, you can struggle with this before you're a Christian. I think you can run from God in both these ways before you're a Christian. I think you can run from God both these ways when you are a Christian. You can struggle by running in, in either of these ways. Which is more dangerous, though? Which is worse? Well, let's, let's think here. Who, who, is, who is Jesus talking to again? Well, there's two groups. He's talking to, for, first, the tax collectors and the sinners, who are they in the story? They'd be the younger son, wouldn't they? Running off into unrighteousness. They're coming, but the tax collectors and sinners are actually coming to listen to Jesus. Um, but, but who's the other group there? The Pharisees and the, and the scribes. Who are they in the story? They're the older son, aren't they? They're the ones who've done their duty. They're the ones who are moral good people the ones who stayed and they're complaining this man welcomes sinners and eats with them actually almost exactly the same thing that the, the older son says in the story isn't it this man welcomes sinners and eats with them how could you how could you throw a party for him if you would have asked the, the, the younger son in the story, if you'd have asked him, hey, are, are you rebelling against your father? What would he have said? Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Right? When he's in the pigsty, he knows it. He knows he's, he's rebelling against his father. He knows that he's doing the wrong thing. 
If you'd asked the older brother, right, before, uh, before the younger son came home, if you'd asked the older son, are you rebelling against your father? What would he have said? No, no way. I love my father. I, I, I serve him every day. Here, here's what I do. Here's all the, the ways that I, I do my duty and I prove my love and my allegiance to him. And this is, this is uh, dangerous, isn't it? Because self-righteousness, right? Unrighteousness is pretty blatant. Self-righteousness, though, it blinds. By its very nature, we are blind to it. Right? And, oh, I'm a good person. I, I go to church. Man, I raise my kids in the way, best way I know. I, I'm, I'm trying to model being a good person for them. I teach them the Bible. I do my, my duty. I do my civic duty. I'm a good employee. Whatever it is, whatever uh, you do that you think, I, that, I, I'm, a, I'm a model citizen in this way. I'm a model Christian in this way. But he's doing it for all the wrong reasons, isn't he? He's not doing it out of love for the father. He's doing it to, to put the father in his debt. So he has to give him, so he has to give him things. In the story, what, what is the, the result for each son? Right, so the younger son, what happens to him? Well, he, he comes home, doesn't he? He repents. He's restored. He's welcomed in. He's, he's in the party. What happens to the older son? He, we don't know. Right, he's left outside. We, he, he's on the porch the, with, the, with his father pleading to him. We don't know if, if the older son says... I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, you're right, I'm coming in. Or if he says, forget you then, and storms off. Why, why, did, why, didn't, Jesus in, why didn't Jesus finish the story? Why does he leave it that, right there? I think because he's talking primarily to the Pharisees and the scribes. He's talking to them and he's, he's putting this question before them. Won't you come in? Do you see all of the, the sinners and the tax collectors and the, the people, do you see them coming? They're coming to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here. They're being healed. They're being restored. They're being welcomed in. They're being, it's, a, it's a celebration in heaven because the sinners are coming home. Won't you come in? Won't you see God working? Come in and rejoice with us. He's leaving that question in the Pharisees and the scribes' laps. And so I think for those reasons, I think it's, it's which is more dangerous? Being an, being an older son is more dangerous. You're blind to it. You don't know. It's so easy to fall into. And if you are, if you, if you struggle with that, man, I, I have a heart for you. I'm a, I'm a recovering older son too. <laughs> it's so easy to fall back into, to, to being prayerless, to be, having a joyless faith, right? Where, where, you know, obedience feels like slavery. You just obey out of obligation. You do the right thing because it's the right thing and you have to do it. You define yourself by, by merit, by what you, the good you do and by comparing yourself to others. I'm not like that guy. You're bitter for not getting what's due you. You see others around you and you, you, just, you, you judge them. You're bitter towards them. How do, they get the promotion. I think I deserve that. They get the, the life. They get the spouse. They have the family. They have the house. They, whatever it is that you, you're looking for in life. 
Oftentimes, older sons and this, this kind of heart is revealed when something happens in our life that, that destroys us. And we go, well, f- we'll forget you then, God. My marriage can't go the way I want. My, my kids can't do the thing I want. Why do I even follow you then? What are you saying? You're saying, I was fo- I'm following the Lord for what he could do for me. And if he doesn't do that for me, I'm out. You've never even given me a goat. But the amazing thing and the really good news is that the same grace that is for the younger son is also for the older. And the remedy for both ways of running from God is the same. It's to repent, to to come to the Father and to enter his joy. We can do this because I think there's another son, a son who's not in the story, but who does, I think, what the older son should have done. The older son should have gone to the distant country and he should have found his brother and he should have brought him home. And Jesus, the son of God, what did he do? He, he came to earth. He went to the far country to rescue the, the, the lost children of God. The, the older son should have, at his own expense, brought his brother home. And Jesus, when he came, he paid the price at the cost of his life. And he died in our place for our sins so that we could be reconciled to God so that he could bring us home. And so the father's response to both, both those who run into unrighteousness and those who run into self-righteousness is the same. He comes out, he runs out to the unrighteous and he comes out of the party to the self-righteous and he just, he says, come in. Just leave, leave whatever you're trusting in, whatever you're pursuing besides me, just leave it. Why would we, why would we wallow in the pig pen? Right? And why would we construct an, a, a prison in our, in our hearts, in our minds, where we just have, we're, we're so rigid, where we're so uh, worried about what people think of us and having a good, a good reputation, and we can't, ever be, we can't ever be honest about our stuff? Like, why, why would we do this when we can come in to joy? You have to repent, and this is the life-changing thing, I think, is that we, we have to repent not only of our unrighteousness, of course we do, but we have to repent of our self-righteousness. We have to repent of all the good things we've ever done that we think earn, earn our way with God, make us better than anyone else. Turn from them. What does Paul, like, Paul say in Philippians? He says, I, man, I was a good guy. Hebrew of Hebrews, right? A circumcised on the eighth day. Uh, as, as to righteousness according to the law, Blameless that you could think, find nothing against me. But what does he say? But whatever gain I had, I consider it loss. I consider it rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. All my unrighteousness, all my self-righteousness, I lost it all in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Jesus is all we have. It's his righteousness or nothing, right? We, 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 we can't uh, depend on ourselves. And so we need to repent and come to the Father. He welcomes us.
and we, we can enter his joy. Isn't that the point of these stories, these three stories? The joy of the Father. Do you imagine heaven to be a morose place? It is not. <laughs> Do you see even, I, in, in, in the, the, the response to the older son, do you see the, the father's unshakable joy? Right, I, I, just, I just think when, whenever, whenever he's reaching out, and I think whenever God reaches out to us, whether we're in the pig pen, whether we're in, in a prison of our own self-righteousness, I think he has a twinkle in his eye. And I think he says, hey, there's a party. <laughs> I want you there. Won't you come inside? Won't you come in? Won't you experience joy? Won't you breathe the fresh air of heaven? You can have freedom. There's freedom. There's joy in Christ. But it does take repenting. <laughs> repenting of our right, unrighteousness. Repenting of our self-righteousness. And coming to the Father. Let's pray and we'll move to communion. Father, thank you um, for revealing to us your heart. Lord, we're, for those of us who, who have, and, and how can we not have, have small and, and uh, distorted views of you? Lord, for the person here who just thinks you're really angry at them all the time, of the person in here who, who feels um, only condemnation. Lord, I, I pray that they could believe your word, to believe in grace, to believe that you are as good as you say you are. Father, thank you for so much for looking at us with compassion. Oh, rebels all. <laughs> rebels in rags and rebels in, in, uh, in suits. Whoever we are, that you welcome us. You have compassion. Thank you. Oh, God, how could we ever repay you? How could we ever deserve this? We couldn't. But you loved us. Would you pour your love now, even now, into our hearts? Or don't let us resist you. Don't let us push your spirit away yet again. But would we open ourselves up and would we receive and believe the love that you have for us? We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.